calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. Uh, this week I'm joined by Krupa. Hello. And by Tilly. Uh, duck hunt pod people. And me. Both your catchphrases. Yeah. Two in one. Hi, Alex. I thought your catchphrase was the same as Michael Hands. No. That's good. Uh, we're hot today though, aren't we? We are. Flustered. It's hotter in London today than Athens, Madrid, Rome. Mm. Miami. Mumbai. But not um, Ankara. So, Where's that? Where's Ankara? Turkey. It's oh. capital, so, capital yeah. Turkey. So we, yeah, we're recording this on Wednesday, and it's the hottest day in years, apparently, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's quite cool in the studio. <clears throat> yes. very cool. But the well, stuff we're going to cool, talk obviously. about obviously. is going to be red hot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so obviously, this week Terminator Genesis is out. Chris, you've seen it, and <laughs> we're going to talk about what you think of the film in more detail. Yeah. But as a little bit of a teaser, it got us thinking about what are the most pointless sequels of all time. <laughs> not to give anything away. <laughs> like, Chris away. might love this movie, but we just got us thinking, what are the most pointless sequels ever made? Uh, yeah. I've got lots well, to Chris, talk about. Should we, should we do one each? Should we go around the table? Or how do you then. want to do this? You start. All right, let's... As our movie expert. Yeah. I had lots of opinions. So one that's a massive problem to me, uh, I've never actually seen it on principle... S. Darko, the yes. sequel to Donnie Darko, which is one of my favourite films of all time. Uh, Richard Kelly's vision, he wrote and directed it. And uh, the studio decided to not involve him at all in the idea behind a sequel. So they went ahead and made it without consulting him whatsoever. The connecting tissue was, it's about Donnie's younger sister and they got the same actress back, but no one else returned. And he kind of urged people, just don't see this film. This is not the Donnie Darko universe. But if you haven't seen it, could it be potentially the greatest <laughs> sequel of all time? It could. Reviews, every single review that's ever been published of it would suggest otherwise. <laughs> so, <laughs> But I, you should have your own opinion, Chris. I'm sure I do. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, trust in, I trust in Kelly. Like, I think, fair enough. Good on you, mate. You've, you've done a really great movie. Uh, I don't need to see someone else's version of that. So yeah. I, that was upsetting to me, mm. actually, that, that, that someone could go ahead and do that. Fair play. First one, done. Um, yeah, so initially, like, I think it's important to distinguish in this conversation between bad sequels 
and just pointless sequels. Because initially when we were talking about this, I thought the Matrix sequels. But actually, there's lots to explore in that story. Mm. It's just they did it really badly. So the one I came up with was um, Speed 2, Cruise Control. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the classic example of a film being really successful but it's a completely one-off idea yeah it's like homeland the tv series it's a really great one season prison break really great one season but if something's successful you want to do more of it and then that's when you just run out of concept and the fact that you undermine what's worse about the sequel is because obviously keanu doesn't come back there's a new character it actually undermines the first film and their relationship and what happens because you know ultimately it doesn't really work out for them so it kind of takes a bit of the shine off the original as well. Mm. And also, it's just a bit it. rubbish. Never seen it. Yeah. Have no desire to see it. Well, you shouldn't. Speed on a point thing became quite a thing, didn't it? Speed on a boat, speed on a train. And then obviously, Father Ted did speed on a milk float. Yeah. Which was one of the best <laughs> episodes. I think one of my favourite is in The Simpsons when Homer tries to explain speed. And he goes, if there's a bus and there's a bomb on the bus and if it goes over a particular speed, the bomb is armed. And then if it drops below a certain speed and then it will go off. So they have to maintain a certain speed. What was it called? I think it was called the bus that couldn't slow down. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. Al. Uh, Jaws the Revenge. Because there is nothing good about that film. It was a bad idea with a bad cast, with bad acting, bad everything. Michael Caine is not a bad actor. Well, he is in that film. Yeah, because he plays both the shark and his own character. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, famously, it was he was asked what he thought of Jaws the Revenge. Yeah. And he said, I don't like it, but I like the island it helped me buy. <laughs> Fair <laughs> Which enough. Which I think is quite a funny answer. Um, <laughs> so in that respect, if you're Michael Caine, it's not a pointless no, w- When was the last time you saw it, though? Oh, gosh. It wasn't uh, probably about uh, seven years ago, eight years ago. Because I've not seen it since it came out. Am I not right in thinking that the uh, conceit of it is that the, the shark remembers them and is yeah, after revenge? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, is there not something to be said for that being quite an amazing it's quite, idea? It's quite a high it's a, concept. It's outside the box. I would say it's a stupid idea. <laughs> yeah, well, like, well, it's very much in the vein of a Jacobean revenge tragedy. Um, yeah, so is it the offspring of a shark or is it? I have seen it, but I've seen it yeah, when I was like little. Yeah, because it's. But is it always not one from the later sequels? Ooh, How many shots are there in Jaws? I can't remember what happens at the end of three. That there are scenes in the film because is is it his the it ex-wife? Must be an offspring. There are scenes in the film where characters remember things that from earlier films that they weren't present for. <laughs> Which I think is amazing. <laughs> like, this is they have their memories that they weren't there for. I seem to remember it was offspring, but it might be a cousin or, you know, it might be a yeah, distant relative. <laughs> if it's offspring, that implies that they somehow had the story relayed to them or have some form of genetic memory. Maybe it was this tiny little shark saw its mother being blown to pieces mm. by having a gas tank in that would mouth. That would stay with you if you had a brain. Yeah, but the same if you had time, a big human brain. But, like, you wouldn't swim up to the surface and go, who did that? And then check out. Like, Remember you? Is that, Bri- is that a British bloke? See, now, at the moment, if I'm listening <laughs> Who to this... Who wasn't on the boat? If I'm listening <laughs> to this podcast and I've never seen George the Revenge, I'd kind of want to see it at this point. Absolutely. Don't. <laughs> um, one I'm going to pick is a belated sequel, which is always a problem, a belated sequel. We'll come to more of them later. Um, Godfather 3. Now, Godfather 3 isn't a terrible film, but the first two were so perfectly bookended each other, a perfect beginning, middle and end to tell the story of the Corleones that I feel like the the third one was a folly, but then you add to that 
uh, Coppola casting his daughter Sophia as Michael's daughter, who was terrible in it. Brilliant director, terrible actress. And then she's given the big death scene at the end of the film, which I, I was in the cinema, everyone was laughing. And this is the finale of what could have been the greatest trilogy in the history of cinema, and they just dropped the ball massively. Because you're right, because there's something about, I guess, cinema and a lot of um, artistic mediums where three is a thing. Mm, yeah. Like three-act structure like in art, yeah. triptychs, Beginning and trilogies. trilogies. Yeah. Whereas, you're right, they do everything in those two movies. Yeah. They overreach. By yeah. doing a third, there's no like, there's nothing else really to tell. Like Michael goes full circle. Like anyone that I meet who asks, who hasn't seen, you know, someone younger who's never maybe never seen The Godfather's, always say, "Well, just watch one and two. Yeah. Right. You've got two masterpieces. Just pretend the third one never happened, which is never a good trait for a sequel no, to have." No. And the problem, the sad thing is, it's not that bad. It's two hours of reasonably good stuff. It, it's all the stuff with the Vatican, and it's and, not actually terrible. It's just like it adds nothing to two perfect films. You could say it's pointless. Oh, pointless sequels. Perfect. <laughs> Are you actually would you, going to watch The Godfather? Do you oh, want to you see really it? should, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, it's one of those things like... Yeah, it like, hangs left, over but, you a but bit. But you know what? I've left it for so long that it's <laughs> become a bit of a thing. No. Like, yeah, I've never seen The Godfather. Don't be that person. I've got some washing like that. Yeah. I've, never, I've never seen Star Wars, so I'm not going to now. No, yeah, see it. It's good. It's good. Everyone write in and tell Alex why you should watch The Godfather. I've had enough people telling me why. I should stick with Game of Thrones season six, and I'm not convinced about that either. Give up after season two. Croops? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for game here. I'm going to go Dark Souls 2. Um, talented studio. Uh, I think this becomes more intelligible as an example after they announced Dark Souls 3 yeah. at E3 with Miyazaki directing it. Because Dark Souls 1 is widely considered to be a masterpiece, has you know, an integrity and artistic vision. Two, great game, because it's made by the same people using the same systems. It's a great game, plays well. But everyone's, like, the unified criticism of it is it feels like offcuts. It's basically stuff they had left over, stuff yeah. that they were developing and workshopping. Mm. And it sounded like three was always in development yeah. after one. So what I think's happened, one happened, was it success? They said, we we're gonna make more. Um, one team went off and made Dark Souls, which will eventually be three, and another team made two in tandem. And in retrospect, what it seems like, three's not out yet, so I can't say, but it seems like two was like a team using kind of remaining assets and ideas, yeah. where three had like, what will become three is the one that's been overseen by the main creative yeah, yeah, yeah. director. And it's, it's not a bad game. It's not a bad game. Lots of people think it's still game of the year. And it's like still offcuts from an amazing team doing yeah. amazing stuff with incredibly talented artists. It's still going to be better than most of the stuff that's out there because mm. there's so much average stuff. Yeah. But it's just, as a fan of that first game, it's, it would be so perfect. It's almost like Godfather 3 became between 1 and 2. Mm. 1 and 3. Like... Part three of Dark Souls feels like it should be the true sequel to the first yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. And in between, we're going to have this one that still great, but... It's like one and a half. Yeah, it's it's not exactly what you wanted. But yeah. probably three might not have happened without that because mm. that kept the brand relevant. People in conscious, like people were aware of it and it sold well. So it made them money enough to do other projects and maybe 
make a bigger deal about three. So yeah. it's maybe kind of a necessary sequel, yeah. even though I don't think it is as exciting or as original as the first one. Because like, something that's similar could have happened was Majora's Mask, but it was still overseen by a lot of the kind of like the key people. But that was a game that um, <clears throat> reused a lot of the Ocarina of Time assets, but fundamentally it did something different and interesting. Yeah, really different. And it was a great game, so... Uh, I'm going to skip one of mine. I'm going to go for Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. <laughs> but neither why, of you have seen this, Fast and Furious. Why is this, Alex? Why are you suddenly talking about Fast and Furious? Because I've just watched them all. Why did you do so that? I'm now the expert on why, Fast and <laughs> He won't watch The Godfather 1 and 2, but you've just binged on all Fast and Furious movies. Is The Godfather 1 and 2 in yeah. the top 10 grossing films of all time? No. That's why. Uh, I think if you actually adjust for inflation, it's probably made more money, The Godfather, than uh, any of the Fast and Furious movies. So. I don't care. I'm all about Vin Diesel. I'm anyway, about the facts. So you've not seen it? Uh, I haven't. I've only seen uh, the last three. Well, it, it just sticks out like a sore thumb. Um, and without spoiling it too much, because I know that you're going to go around and watch all of them. I think you're fine to talk about Fast and Furious <laughs> Tokyo Drift spoilers here. But it has nothing in common with the other six films in the series, there is one link that it pulls back to, which happens later in the, the, the films. But that is only added into those films because of Tokyo Drift. If that had never happened, you wouldn't give a hoot about it. It's absolutely pointless. But, but what an interesting franchise that they tried all these things until they finally found what the key was, what the recipe was. <laughs> I think that's over like egging it. And they didn't try all these things. They, it's still they the same. did, though. They were like flailing around until they f- hit upon a recipe that actually really sure. works for them. But, so, uh, like, with the most set, diverse, maybe, multicultural maybe cast I was saying, <laughs> doing wacky they're, they're, races. They're all doing very similar things. They're, they're kind of, you know, experimenting within a narrow road. Hmm. What about the musical um, entry? You could watch that one? The what? Well, the, the musical one. Is this a joke? Yeah. Not a very good one, but let me explain it a bit more and it'll get funnier. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go on then. No, th- no. Let's cut that off now. <laughs> we'll edit that out. It's fine. Rich will edit that out. It's fair. Um, it's Honestly, it's pointless. And yeah. I know people will probably enjoy it, but I hated the guy who was the lead actor. Oh, he was the little kid from Witness. Yeah, but he... I hate his accent. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> what accent is it? It's like Deep South. Yes. But it's just great. Um, <laughs> Doesn't he pop up in the new one? I think he pops up in the new one. I, see the I new haven't one. seen Seven. Yeah, everyone shows up in that's it. The, that's the one I'm missing. But mm. seriously, do not watch that film. Okay. Pointless. Fair enough. I'm going to talk about three now, but with uh, the reason is the same for all three. Okay. I'm going to talk Dumb and Dumberer, Son of the Mask, and oh. Ace Ventura, uh, Pet Detective Junior. Now, a Jim Carrey movie is a Jim Carrey movie. And will these people not learn that if you try and do a sequel without Jim Carrey, it doesn't work. He is the reason anybody goes to see all three of those original movies. I'd quite like to watch Ace Ventura, son of whatever he's called. Oh, no, no, you, I, I no, just, no, put, you I just pulled up some pictures you from it. I really really thought, no, you wouldn't. It's, it's, I'm quite intrigued. It's, it's, the, it's those <laughs> movies that you see but never actually watch and they're kind of like... Yeah, I think you'd watch you think- one minute of it and turn it off, like the same that I did with Dumb and Dumber, where I thought, oh, that might be funny, like a prequel, see them at school now. And then you start watching it, oh, actually, no. No, this is... Although, as a slight riposte to your point, on my list is Dumb and Dumber 2. No, I, 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 no, I agree. That's that's. Although I did, I did enjoy about 10 minutes of it yeah. over the course of the 90. But equally, like sometimes I think it's because of an actor. Yeah. that a sequel's pointless. So another one is Blues Brothers 2000. 
They waited a long time to do the sequel. John Belushi was long dead, and they replaced him with John Goodman. No one wants to see a Blues Brothers movie without John Belushi. Yeah. So again, it's just it's pointless. It's a pointless exercise. So I think that you could. There's a lot of sequels that lose the reason. Uh, the actor that that made the first one. Yeah, on a similar note, mm-hmm. and director, I've written down the two Jakes. Take away Polanski. Yeah, replacing with Nicholson. Yeah, why oh, why can't Polanski do it? Ah, oh, he's uh, he's not available anymore. <laughs> he can't, he can't, <laughs> he can't actually be in the country anymore, sir. <laughs> Should we still make it? Yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> God, I remember. I'm old enough to remember that summer. There was so much hype around that movie, though. We're finally getting a sequel to Chinatown, and Harvey Keitel's going to be his brother, and it was. It was just a bit boring, the film. I was a bit young at the time. I watched it. I was a bit young to understand. I watched it again about 10 years ago. I watched Chinatown when I was really young. I thought it was really boring. Yeah. It takes, like, you yeah, need to, yeah, yeah, you need to be of an age to watch that. Definitely. Do you think Alex is old enough yet for Chinatown? I've never seen it. Yeah. I think he's old enough. So I think even if you're young and you watch Godfather, it's like there's some quite extreme violence that you're like, oh, this is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> like, you were, like, no, I did watch it when I was too young. They did a, te- yeah. a, they did a televised version of The Godfather. I don't know, you know about this. This is crazy. Uh, where they did it in chronological order. They made it into a miniseries. Oh, no, I, mean, I have heard yeah, about this. I have watched bits of it. Don't do that. With two as well, with Vito. Yeah, with two. Yeah, so yeah, it started, I've heard about this. It starts Which, with Vito. I, it's kind of interesting. It's an experiment, but yeah. the point of two is the juxtaposition. Parallels. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a good call. The, I've got a very quick one here. Yeah. Um, so I was going to put Hangover Part 2, and as I was researching this, I realised there was Hangover Part 3, which I realised I had seen, and I couldn't even remember yeah. anything yeah, about it. Yeah, so I think that's the very de- definition of a pointless sequel. Yeah. I didn't even know, I knew there was a three. I've seen it. I can't remember one you know thing what? about I'm, it. I'm all for a sequel to those films, because I think the first one's brilliant. But the fact they made the same film three times effectively, yeah. Where is three? that's what makes it pointless. What is three? They go back it's, to fa- it gets a bit more action-y three, to be fair Where to them, it but set? it's still... I couldn't even remember. I know like two is the one set in Asia. I couldn't even remember what three is about. No, I can't remember either. Right, I've, to... I've never seen it. I remember kind of coming out. It's boring. I've just off the same bat. And I've not seen this either, mm. but Anchorman 2. Is that a pointless sequel? Well, see, you're spending more time, I think, with characters you really like and find funny. So I don't think some of these are pointless. I think yeah. they're just maybe they didn't nail it completely. Right. But I was really excited when they announced another Anchorman movie. Yeah. And equally, the Hangover guys, I think, are really funny. It's just, and the Dumb and Dumber guys. So it's not a pointless exercise. It's just some of these, maybe they just didn't quite, you know, it wasn't, it didn't have the freshness first time around. Yeah. yeah. And the jokes weren't quite good enough. But there's some really funny stuff in Anchorman. Right. And if you... Stuff that is pointless. Yeah. Every single Disney straight-to-DVD sequel. Would your daughter say the same thing? I don't care. Uh, she's, I wouldn't use her as a, a gauge of, you know, uh, good taste or They're not, not for you, her. though, maybe. But, like, Simba's Pride, Return to the Sea, uh, Ariel's Beginning, all of this tat is made <laughs> all of this tat as what i would consider a cynic, cynical marketing ploy i agree so they're pointless to you simba's pride to the to the money men at disney these are not pointless these no. are hugely successful so and kids love them right i'll tackle that a second but yes hugely <laughs> successful <laughs> because i bought scarlet the um, a Little Mermaid. I can't remember if there's three films or four. Enough Little Mermaid films that you can fill your boots with. She'll watch the first one. She won't watch the others. So, but you know, who doesn't matter? Disney's already made its sale. Yeah. Because it was one of those things. It was like a quid more to buy four films rather than sure. one. Sure. So you kind of do that. But I just think you know, invest in new exciting things. Yeah. It must take a long time to make a Lion King sequel. 
But why would you want the Lion King sequ- sequel? Yeah. You don't need one. There's three Cinderella movies. Is there? Yeah. A Twist in Time was the last one. It's like yes. Hangover Part 3. Then, you don't remember that one. But then uh, the third Lion King movie, I believe, was Lion King 1 and a half, and it focused on uh, <laughs> Timon and Pumbaa. Which one? I'd be quite up for that. Don't call it Lion, being, Lion King. Are you being no. serious? <laughs> I think I might have bought it but never watched it because I found them funny but it wasn't called yeah. One and a Half was it? Yeah. I like the Wikipedia yeah. uh, just the, the quick search I was, I was just checking it yeah this, <laughs> just did a quick search for Lion King One and a Half also known as Lion King 3 Akuna Matana okay. in some countries and the movie is about the fictional characters Timon and Pumbaa thank you for clarifying the fictional characters <laughs> <laughs> no point did I need reminding I, I really I, want the meerkat it's called uh, Timon. One piece of news that we could have mentioned actually at the top of this um, is the fact that Back to the Future will not be getting a sequel in Robert Zemeckis' lifetime. Have you seen this story? Robert's lifetime? Yeah, Robert, Robbie yeah. at the Daily Telegraph spoke to him this week, I guess, and asked him about, because Universal had so much success by bringing Jurassic Park back, yeah. asked him, well, you know, that this will be next in the Universal vaults. That's another billion-dollar movie, potentially. And I believe that they can't make it within his lifetime um, he that's still owns the rights right, right, right. and that he was saying that I'm, I even have to check that you know if my family still retain the rights that the, over my dead body was basically what he was saying um, which I is great just news. imagine the conversations that are happening in a universal <laughs> how do we kill the makers exactly right we but need that billion dollar we've, movie we've already cast this <laughs> um, um, but yeah that, that would be one though wouldn't it if, if it were to happen uh, it's a great concept that you could do so much with but man all you could do i think is just sully the yeah because i think all the charm is the very specific character stuff like otherwise just make a time travel movie like yeah yeah whereas i think Jurassic park a lot of lure is the concept yeah whereas i think the future is the people is the characters their relationship so if you're retreading them what's the point it's the same with the lion king you know it's all about the concept yeah it's high concept stuff yeah Oh, I'm joking. So, <laughs> fictional <laughs> character um, Simba. For me, the most pointless sequel that I can remember seeing is Weekend at Bernie's Two. Do you remember the film Weekend at Bernie's? I do remember it. I've never seen it. Okay. I've seen your uh, fancy dress. Yeah, sure. I did actually fancy dress because I, I thought it was Bernie Eccleston. <laughs> it's quite savvy actually to go. If you, I know you don't dress up as Bernie, but if you went to a party and dressed up as Bernie, it's quite good if you pass out. <laughs> people can just carry you around. So for people that don't know, uh, Weekend at Bernie's is about a couple of guys who stay with this rich guy in this rich guy's um, like holiday house, and he dies. But rather than tell anyone, they decide to like keep it a secret so they can stay the whole weekend. So they kind of go around town with him, like with their arms around him, and he's dead. Right. Um, I, like, understand, I understand your uh, outfit. I, I fancy dress now. <laughs> yeah. No, it just really um, wants a threesome. <laughs> I, I feel like they explored as much as they could of that storyline in Weekend at Bernie's 1. So what happened in Weekend at Bernie's 2? I, I, I believe it was something to do with voodoo, where they kind of he got kind of half brought back to life right. and he was like a zombie. But really, that good, that. as far as I was concerned, it was pointless. <laughs> yeah. That story had been... The Weekend at Bernie's story had, had been told to its natural conclusion and it was pointless. Fair play. Mm. But we're going to get more pointless sequels to a degree because now, you know, sequels have always been a thing. Like, if a film is successful, we'll make another one. Yeah. But we're also now in an era of, like, universe building. So it's not just about, like, one extra movie. It's about a whole range of additional movies. We'll, we'll go, through yeah. the summer, go through the summer movies released this year and there's not one... I don't think you'll find one that's not based on a, 
it's not a sequel, a prequel, a remake, connected to or, stuff, or a based on a ride, or based on a book. There's, I don't think there's a single original mm. movie. There probably, I'm sure there is. You know, the Pixar Inside Out's yeah, original. Yeah, yeah. But you know, there's one or two. Everything, even Tomorrowland, the most, uh, you know, the big original blockbuster that was based on a ride inspired by a, a section of a Epcot Centre. So, yeah, it's just going to keep going. This. Yeah. I wonder, like. We should we should go back and like check it out because obviously more films are maybe made today. Like the adaptation isn't new. Obviously, there's more things now that you can adapt from. I wonder like what the percentage of adapted movies back in like the fifties was because you know a lot of adapted musicals, a lot of adapted books. Yeah. That's always been a thing. I wonder yeah. if it's I, I obviously can, I can it's... guarantee you now there are less original screenplays being put into production than at any time in in history mm-hmm. because the studios are just getting more and more. Uh, nervous and wanting a sure thing, yeah. wanting a, you know toys that they can sell off the back of it. They want a big, they want a franchise rather than take but, a chance on you know an M Night Shyamalan or something with a yeah, sixth sure. sense that kind of thing. But can, at the same time, you look at Tomorrowland for example. I can't imagine people go, I've been to the Epcot Center ride. I must go and see that film. But equally, like Battleship, what I don't understand oh, why they yeah. had to buy the rights to ball Battleship and build a game Just of do a, a film uh, around. You could have done war any. movie with it's yeah. yeah Independence Day like. It's it's weird, but there seems to be this fear of doing anything that's not a recognised yeah. name. It, no matter how small, like remaking old TV shows and things, when you could just, I don't know. It's 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 a bit depressing, actually. Yeah, I can kind of understand the logic though. Like if you're investing a huge amount can. of money and someone's like, this is already popular. Yeah, but it's, it's weird. Like Battleship, it's like. Yeah, that, that, that makes that's no not, sense. That's not transferable interest. No. Just because some people might like buying Battleship, that yeah. is no way approximate to a film starring Rihanna. Yeah. Like, oh God, it made no sense. I've, I've got a couple more. Okay, yeah. Just very quickly. Home Alone 3 and 4. Like, yep. Home Alone 2 kind of does what the first one does, but in a different location. Pigeon yeah. Lady. By the time you get to 3 and 4, it's like, good God, all right, I get it. Yep. And then my last one is a game, Duke Nukem Forever. I should never have been resurrected. <laughs> the only reason it was resurrected is, is for the likes of Dan Kilby. I know, we need Dan in here to defend it. Yeah, bad game, bad Evil idea. All this stuff. Should have existed, well not existed, but 12 years ago. Any others, Creeps, before we... Um... I'm good, I think I've, I've, I've spent all You're my spent. best ones. Like, uh, the other one thing, Cars 2. <laughs> we didn't need Cars 2. I think John, John Laster really... Love and John Laster cars, really though. loves Cars, so... But that's, um, like, Cars is one of those things that... I is, thought Cars 2 was better than Cars 1. I've never watched all of them all the way through because yeah. they're not great films. But I did similarly, it. kids love it. That's yeah. why they did it. 2010, sequel to 2001. What a pointless waste of time that was. <laughs> See, I'm yet to watch that because I've only recently <coughs> watched 2001 for the first time. I heard 2010's great. It's abs- it shouldn't be anything to do with the 2001 right. universe. I, I keep meaning to watch it now that I've seen the first one. I love the fact that you can watch the first one. Watch the, there's no reason to but still, kind of watch still, you don't want to... Go do your homework. What, did you watch the all of the Fast and Furious before watching 4, 5 and 6? No, Sorry, but I, don't, six. I didn't no. really care about them. Well, there you go. I had to do the Bloomin' Junket. Unbelievable. You're not committed. Anyway. <laughs> so that's it. That's Chris, our list. Chris's face then, not committed. He's like, oh, <laughs> move on. Is, I'm done with this conversation. Most pointless sequels of all time. Uh... But does The Last of Us 2 fit underneath that? Um, I don't know. So one thing, yeah, this week, um, Nolan North was at something called MetroCon. And he's quite, we had him in here a few, um, about a month ago. We've got some videos going live soon on IGN. And he's a really charismatic, garrulous chap. And if you set him talking, 
he wants to please a crowd. He's a showman. So in front of this audience at this convention, he, started, he revealed lots of stuff he probably shouldn't have said in public. Yeah. And one of the things, by accident, or whether he just wanted to give the audience something, he said that um, Naughty Dog, he says, I know they're working on Last of Us 2. Yeah. Which is something you could probably infer maybe yeah, they're yeah, doing, yeah. a successful game. Yeah. But it, again, it's a singular story. Mm. It, they've created a world where maybe you can do other narratives within that. Yeah. Joel, there's a passage of 20 years or so, so maybe you go back and fill in a chunk of time. So there's stuff they can do. But, you know, some people, I think they just find... I think it's easier, like, you know, big explosive action game. It's easier to yeah. understand how you can iterate upon that. Whereas something more kind of tender and emotional, it's like... It's kind of tricky. do a sequel on that. Like, because of, in so terms of what you'd want, if it, I wouldn't want the same story told with two different people, which is effectively if it's like, oh, this is also happening over here. Let's go and follow yeah. their journey. It could potentially be the it's same thing. It's a much thing. more delicate You'd either want experience the build up to it, it or... Yeah, I think it should probably, be something completely yeah. different, which is basically what continues is maybe one of the characters in a different period of their life mm. and the same accident as before in the world. So it's the same, it's the same world. So it's, it's another it's story. Really well, it's really like, It's like Fear the Walking Dead. It's going to, like the spin-off series, it's another story from within that world. But I think the thing about The Last of Us that I enjoyed was the characters, was the story, not necessarily so much the mechanics yeah, of the uh, yeah, game. Yeah, And that would be my concern, I, is I that agree. making I agree. that bit the interesting bit. I agree, but I feel like they can maybe, you know, the same types of people, they can maybe fashion another set of characters. Yeah. And what I get, I guess why you like those characters and the situations they found themselves in is because the extreme nature of their yeah. world, that people, normal people, kill each other mm. and serious things happen. It's the same as Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Normal yeah. people are put in extreme situations yeah. and they behave in extreme ways. So I, I'm, I bet they can dream up a new set of characters or yeah. maybe have some of the supporting characters take lead roles in yeah, a sequel. Yeah. So I'm not... I'm, I think you'd have to play it, you know, yeah. to, before you decide whether it was sure, necessary or not. I'm not saying but it's really, Pointless, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, I'm but very that, happy no, with I agree, where but it is right People now. have taken that stance where just dismissing it out of mind. Yeah, but there's a lot of really talented also, people, think, so I'm yeah, sure they can make say, Naughty Dog is a an extremely talented developer, <clears> and seeing what they've done with Uncharted Four is like, you know, that you know, there's something special. Yeah. Sorry, just going back to pointless sequels of all time. Currently, I'm feeling the same <laughs> with Hannibal season three. At the minute, I don't feel <clears> like I think the end of season two was perfect. So season three isn't. I think I'm this not is pointless conversation. Going back continuation. I don't care. <laughs> <We're> just, <laughs> just a little two sentences without going to spoilers. Panel because I know you've yeah, not watched back, it. To kick I know it a lot of people haven't. Obviously, what happens at two changes the structure entirely. Yeah. I think we're going to have three or four episodes of bedding down into a new rhythm. But I, you, you, something's coming this season if you've watched any trailers, which I think might put it back into a more familiar structure. Yeah. Because okay. there's, there's a villain coming. Good. Uh, this week we also saw the first kind of, uh, well, not leaked pictures because it came from the director, but the first pictures from the new Ghostbusters film. So we saw pictures of the outfits, the overalls. Did you, see, you guys see that? I yep. did. All hung up. Not quite as cool as the originals, personally. Yeah. But I thought the Proton Pack looked badass. You say not as cool as the originals, they're still beige overalls no they're not <laughs> like <laughs> well so the, I think they're more brown if you look okay. at Daniel 
there are a lot more well, with the new ones they've got I, a nice lot like, orange trim I was, gonna, I was about to say they're a lot more coordinated <laughs> because the orange trim that's on the suit actually ties in very nicely with part of the orange tr uh, trim that's on the, the proton pack nice. which I thought was a bit is that is that kind of thing is trying to make a nice outfit <laughs> it's a bit more well they might be up and running for years now whereas in Maybe. the original they just kind of get they're, yeah. uh, they're um, like, like thrown together a start up yeah, yeah. Yeah, I um, maybe I, it's a franchise like Dunkin' what, Donuts what, or something. But I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, like, yeah, if yeah. you look at the kind of commercial strain of like Jurassic World, Ghostbusters could be across like America. I think it's a very strange decision to tweet that out this week, a year from when it's coming out. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to be shooting on the streets of New York this week and to yeah, get the yeah. jump on the paparazzi shots yeah. of them. They've done an official one. In light of Suicide Squad. Say, yeah. But that's Suicide I wonder if Squad. just that's the way of it, yeah. of it now where you the own companies it. are going to, yeah. yeah. So they won't have the same impact. Yeah. So like, you know, Zack Schneider has been tweeting pics of Batman versus Superman for bloody months. Mm. Yeah. Because you're right. So, you've got a nicely lit picture, yeah. high res. Yeah. So people know what it looks like under optimum conditions. Like how late after the official shot well did the official shot come first on suicide squad of what seeing so many well the, the cast in in um, uh, the cast the, was pretty early yeah but did we see it before i can't remember because there were so many pictures and yeah, so I, many can't, I can't remember no, the order. Saw, well, i mean i had we, a list of it we saw then. like we, we saw, saw the joker tattoo picture before we saw any joker right, on yeah. set like because there was the whole like maybe the tattoos aren't going to be part of the real thing and then we saw the leak pictures yeah. and they were i know i got called an idiot on the superhero show for, for saying that <laughs> he did sorry about the tattoos <laughs> would be part of it someone told me i was an absolute idiot it's quite clearly for the 75th anniversary yeah. of the joker chris uh turns out they were for the movie so sod you not that you <laughs> don't like being called an idiot um but yeah that's all very exciting i, I think it's going to be a good movie yeah yeah I, th oh, I think paul feig's really funny and yeah. the girls are really well the girls that i know because we don't really get snl over here I don't actually know two of the women in it yeah. that well. Yeah. But, um, but trust in these guys. Very funny. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen Spy, so. Like, I know like they got mixed reception. Some people, Some people really loved it. liked yeah. it. And you saw it, didn't and you? And Gav no, hated uh, it. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't see it, right. no. Oh, it was Gav, that's right, yeah. yeah. But Lucy loved it, who reviewed it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard mixed things on it. Um, but I'm, I'm well up for more Ghostbusters. Yeah. But what worries me more is this the idea that Ghostbusters is suddenly... A universe of loads of things. Like I think the concept of Ghostbusters is brilliant. Like I love stuff like that. So yeah, I'm yeah. excited for it. Let's talk about the good stuff, the rum and the bum stuff, or in terms of this week, toss and boss. Yeah, because rum is <laughs> rum. Rum is bad. You didn't understand that. Uh, rum is definitely good. Uh, so yeah, I was going to talk about Amy, the M1 documentary. Boss? It's very very good. It's, it's sad. Can it's we boss. have a separate section for just? Oh. A bit toss uh, boss loss or your loss. It's loss yeah. because we lost her. Um, I <laughs> I saw the Amy Winehouse documentary called Amy. Uh, it's by the same guy that did Senna, and it's I'm sure we're only at the halfway mark now, but I'm sure it's one of the best films I've seen this year. Has he ever year. done any like happy ending films? He's done a bunch of narrative films that I've never seen actually. Um, right. That. <laughs> so I know nothing of them but he's made you know what's going to happen at the end of each film oh she's going to die Sorry. well they're quite similar in theme the two films as well aren't they they're kind of sort of tragic geniuses yeah. but yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's 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 just a br- it's very long, but it's a brilliant <clears throat> film, and it's about five. I'm trying to write my review at the moment. It's quite a hard one to write about, but it's about five films in one because it starts out as so happy and light, yeah. and it's like a success story, and it's like almost like a romantic comedy, mm. but then it just gets darker and darker until it honestly felt like I was watching a horror film. When you start just the change in this same woman in the space of two years, and how she looks and how she talks and how she behaves. And obviously, you know what's coming, but you can yeah. just see you could you watch you're watching someone die in front yeah, of your yeah. eyes, and it and it takes quite a long time, and it's just like the last forty minutes are harrowing. So to clarify, it's yeah. all like proper footage. It's not like yeah. It's a how he, how like. did you see Senna? Yeah. So it's yeah, done yeah, yeah. in the same way. So it's all stock footage, and it's like with her, it's home movies, camera phones, backstage footage, concert footage, news footage. Um, everything, but of course she's in an era now where the smartphone existed, and so yeah. a lot of stuff with her and her mates just messing about. But then the last sort of half hour is a lot of paparazzi footage, which is of course part of the reason, part mm. of the downfall of this yeah, story. Yeah, that's probably has the effect of feeling icky and mm. you know long lens photos of her in rehab and stuff. And it's like, and, and you, it's just, it's a, it's a it's a really well put together film. I know her. Her dad is very unhappy about it, and I can see his point a little bit, but equally, you know, there's no defending some of the stuff he did. And there's three villains in it, basically. It's the dad who, who had good intentions, but, you know, ultimately he, he saw dollar signs as well in, in the opportunity that she brought about. And then, yeah, there's the fella Blake, who I think we all know was a wrong one. And there's this guy called Ray who, was, who became her manager, and oh, some of the things he says just makes you feel a bit sick. Yeah. Like, I, I did all I could... I did all I could. We got to keep her out on tour. It's just up to other people. It's like, wow. you were her man. You were the person that she was depending on, yeah, like yeah. professionally you managing her. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, she member of the Twenty Seven Club. Yes, she is. She is. She's one of that generation. You're one of those people that died it's at that weird. age. Yeah, like Santa is awful. Like this, like I imagine it's the same. Like kind of just groom inevitability when you're seeing this stuff and the tension of it is horrible. When he's yeah. like arguing, like we shouldn't be racing in this rain. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, you hear her friends in the film. Talk, you know, they were begging, <clears throat> they were begging them to not let her go on tour. That, but the the manager and the dad were like, "Oh, we've signed these contracts. She's got to go." It's like yeah. you're killing this girl. That that was at the time when they were told if she had another, she just had a seizure. If she has another seizure, she's definitely going to die. And the dad says, "Well, she's now she's agreed that she's going to go off to oh Palace to do this gig." I was going to say, as a parent, good God, like that's valuing. But as the keyboardist the says in it, uh, by this point, it was well known that she was receiving a million pounds for some of these live appearances. Right. So everyone had a vested interest yeah, to like, keep her on tour. But still. That is sick. Um, I will give a plug. Uh, me and Gav, I couldn't go in there, but Gav went. Secret Cinema did a special screening of it. So thanks for inviting us to raise money for um, a charity. They did it in um, Coco nightclub. They turned into a jazz nightclub and had her, her old band playing some songs. So, um, yeah, Secret Cinema X is really good. We, we're going to start supporting them, I think. Like, kind of secret cinema, but raising money for charity. Yeah, so, yeah. I think it's a really good thing. But, yeah, the film will be out by the time this podcast drops. So, and even if you don't like Amy Winehouse, I think it's a really powerful film. And you also just see what a nice, funny girl she was before it all went down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's it. Like, the media portrayed a particular type of person yeah and she started playing up to it but re- the early stuff is like you'd, you'd want to have a pint with her she was mm. she was hilarious yeah so anyway sorry to bring it down but i'm um, recommending <sighs> that film alex arkham uh, knight i know so i haven't been on the podcast for a couple of weeks and i was talking about because last time i was here the review embargo just lifted so i was allowed to talk a little bit about mm. it but now krupa you finished it yep 
if you haven't finished the game, I would probably skip the next three minutes of this podcast because we're not going to talk too in depth about spoilers. But I still think it's probably the best Arkham game that's out there. I think the Batmobile gets way too much flack. Yeah, I don't think it's that often. But, but everybody is talking about how it's kind of ruining the game for them. And it's, I just think, you know, it's not as interesting as some of the other areas of the game, but it's not game-breaking. I think it's the, also, I think specifically when it transforms into a tank yes. and becomes a slightly different game. But most of the time, if you want, you can zip around Gotham as Batman, which is I, w- yeah. which is what I do. Because it exactly, feels quicker yeah. to me. I don't yeah. know if it is, technically, but yeah. it does feel quicker. Going well, it's more around. interesting anyway. Yeah, and... Um, yeah, some of the tank stuff is goes on a bit more um, than it should. It kind of outstays its welcome. And the platforming sections, a bit silly doing it in a Batmobile. But I actually enjoy yeah. driving the Batmobile around and like sliding around corners and chasing vehicles. But it's weird to say the Batmobile isn't cool. Like it's the Batmobile. Well, that's yeah. The, a lot of the criticism <coughs> was it, it, like it doesn't feel like it should exist in the Batman game. But it's the goddamn Batmobile. It's like, and I love the the way that it kind of interacts with Batman and you know the way it kind of unfolds it works really well back and like, like when the, the engine revs well. up it's just like it feels like really kind of badass yeah. but I think the other important thing about it is it's just I think it's a, just a really cool story and I'm not going to talk about the Arkham Knight himself or how it ends and we've both been there and we've talked about it but I just think if well you've actually there is two versions of the end one of which you haven't seen but it's just a very interesting story which it's also it's very satisfying. It's a um, it's a late Batman story, so it's like a Dark Knight style story where it's him yeah. facing the end days. Yeah. Mm. So it's it's a story of consequence because it's Rockstar's last Batman game. So they're like going all in, like we've done yeah, a trilogy, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they've had a is each part is a very specific period in the story, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's had a th- looking back whether they always planned it, but they've managed to create a through line across the three games, yeah. ignore Origins. And this is like, it has closure. It has impactful yeah. stuff because they don't have to make another one now. Yeah. They can just walk away, which is pretty cool, I think. Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those things. Like, you know, of course, somebody can come back and make another Batman game, but I'd be surprised if <clears> it's <throat> Rocksteady. Yeah. And also, I don't think I'd want them to. I feel like they've kind of done what they can do to that franchise perfectly. I'd love to see them do it with another DC character, like Superman, for example. That would be... I'd love to see what they could do with Superman. That'd be amazing. Mm. But if you haven't got Arkham Knight, <coughs> you should. Nice. Last piece of nice. boss stuff. Boss stuff. Um, Marvel's entire roster of comic books are getting relaunched later this year. You're going to have issue ones of everything. Post-Secret um, Wars, the Marvel Universe is going to get consolidated in some kind of interesting way. So universes are currently colliding in Battle World. And post-Battle World, you're going to have an entirely new single Marvel Universe. So Peter Parker, Spider-Man is going to exist side by side with Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and it means that everything is getting relaunched. So if you want to start, is it kind collecting, of what they did with the New Fifty Two. It's kind of what they did with that, and although New Fifty Two is going to fall back in with the old stuff now, I think right. what they wanted to do with this is some parts to kind of bring it more in line with the cinematic universe. So the one Nick Fury is the black Nick Fury. Yeah. So people who want to segue from the films and go to the comics as kind of more recognisable stuff. But also like to incorporate the stuff that was siloed in a separate continuity that's really popular, mm. like Miles Morales yeah. and recently yeah. things like Spider-Gwen, rather than just being ghettoized like in this kind of alternate continuity, yeah. have them in the main continuity so they can play with all the major characters. Yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting, but 
I just wanted to see some of the cool comics that are coming. Um, Doctor Strange is going to have his first series for like 20 odd years, which is not. He's never really had a strong series for ages. He's had a few mm. mini series. It's going to be written by Jason Aaron, who currently does the Star Wars comic. Makes sense they're doing that because the film's coming next year. He's going to be a big character for them. Ant Man con- comics kind of continue with Nick Spencer. That's really, really funny. It's a really funny offbeat comic where it's like a dad just struggling to be a dad, a single dad. It's really funny. The Vision's getting his own comic as well. And cool. Yeah, a lot of the X Men titles are getting stripped down. I think there's only going to be a few of them yeah. instead of loads. And there's going to be um, a lot of inhuman stuff. Mm. So again, yeah, that makes it's sense. supporting where they're going with the cinematic universe. We got the first like uh, feedback on Ant Man as well. That was, there were screenings of that this week, weren't there? Oh, yeah. Very, positive, very positive. Positive. Yeah. I think Which, for a film that could have been a disaster, is who, really who, refreshing. Who's that from? Um, a lot of journalists in America yeah, were allowed sweet reactions to mm, it, and yeah. they're all pretty positive. Mm, yeah. And I think it's also, looking at it, it looks like it was a, it's a good one-two with The Avengers. With The also, Avengers is so big and so mm, much stuff, this feels like quite... Yeah, James Gunn tweeted about it. He did quite that. long. Uh, a Facebook post, I think. Because that's that's something I thought that's will do really well on the site if I post it. But I thought it's kind of like a Marvel director saying he loves yeah, another Marvel of movie. Of course, of course. But they were making around the same of, time. I don't know. I quite like James Gunn. So yeah, he's yeah. funny. He's funny, and he said it was the he best one like, since Iron Man, didn't he? That was his. Yeah, that was his shout. Yeah, and also you know there's still you know strong influence of um, Edgar Wright in there, stuff like that. I wonder universe. how much that's going to take. I bet it's going to take a lot. It's just oh, that we've got the Marvel. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird name. Like, has it got the, a broader appeal? Word of mouth. How did Guardians do? Well, see, I don't think the trailers have been as mind blowing as the Guardians uh, trailers. I were. agree. I haven't had that like, so, the musical hook or something like that. Yeah. Although I saw a couple of clips, I kind of don't want to watch any more now because it's very rare that I see that no, I little agree. of a film. I agree. I've not watched. But any I watched clips. the clip this week where it showed more of the miniature stuff. Yeah. It did look pretty amazing when it gets shrunk in a bathtub. But even more. you describing that as like people are just like that sounds rubbish. <laughs> no, I bloody love when you're showing the kids. <laughs> so quite a lot of pointless sequels in that so, franchise. I've got one other boss thing actually that I I'm embargoed. <clears throat> I can't talk about. Oh. But I did notice this week that Roland Emmerich, the director of Independence Day Resurgence, tweeted a photograph from the set which said, uh, "Oh look at these entertainment journalists I got to play real journalists in the movie," and I was in the photo. So one can only imagine that I might have you gone might to New Mexico there. to shoot a scene for Independence Day Resurgence, which I couldn't possibly mention on the podcast. But You know who's going to love um, you telling that story? Yeah. Um, the guy who writes into the IG, um, iTunes review section about us noshing each other off for getting jobs in the media. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I do have a funny story to tell about that, but I don't know if I'll able to tell it till next year, but... Uh, well, you must remember <laughs> Seed it early, I Chris. I will. But uh, yeah... I might, I might um, tweet out the photo. <laughs> it's quite a funny picture. Wow, that's so <laughs> self-indulgent. Hey. Look, everyone, is a picture of me tweeted by a famous director. Have you been in an Independence Day movie? I don't want to be in an Independence yeah, Day Everyone movie. says that until you get the offer. <laughs> until Ro- that... until old Rolo call, comes calling. <laughs> what's your gonna re- have you got a, a speaking part? <laughs> mm, well, there were visa issues that meant I couldn't <laughs> do a speaking <laughs> part. <laughs> visa issues. So you're just there going... Uh, no, I do shout the line Madam President quite really... a lot, although I'm already saying too much. Ooh. But yeah, you might hear me in loud English going, Madam President, Madam President. Yeah, like, I was kind of playing up the English the, accent. Illegal this is alien. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. Come I'm not on. supposed to because I'm not supposed to talk about what. Madam President, what the scene Madam was. President. 
Shit. No, I shouldn't even have said that. What What are the aliens can, doing this time? Can we bleep this? Can we bleep this? <laughs> um, if you could only be in one TV show, though, what would it be? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that is the weakest link. Oh, the yeah, weakest link? link. Yeah, that's quite you love being, that? Yeah, Goodbye. I, I love Andrew. Have you got any toss stuff, Alex? Yes, I have. Uh, did anybody see the very last episode no. of Top You know what, I was only know. vaguely aware of it, and yeah. I, because we've talked about us all losing interest in that show a while ago, it just wasn't really on my radar. Was so it an hour and a half? They uh, stitched it together? Yeah, it was two episodes stitched together. Yeah, yeah. Just because they like, didn't bother filming the links because they do that on a weekly well, basis. Exactly. Uh, all, so all the links, all the uh, Star and Reasonably Price Car, all that kind of stuff didn't exist. They They'd shot... Uh, I can't remember if it's three or four segments as separate stuff that, that would have appeared in the show. Um, but they didn't trail it that much. Um, and I think I just kind of thought, oh, wow, the very last episode is on this Sunday. Um, but, uh, you know, there's been no build up to it. But it kind of made me sad on one uh, hand because it really demonstrates how, like, when they get stuff right, they got it really right. And the, the kind of some of the segments that they did were brilliant. But obviously Jeremy Clarkson couldn't appear to do the links. So it was just Richard Hammond and James May standing in the empty studio. Oh, God. Um, being a little That's bit somber about it all. And it was just like those bits were awkward watching and really kind of contradicted. I don't want to see that. With the kind of the cool stuff that they'd done. The bants. And, <laughs> in happier times. Uh, and, you know, they kind like of Jeremy done... died. Yeah, it was. It did feel a bit like that. Well, they had this kind of giant elephant statue as oh, the elephant that, yeah. in the room, in the background. But I, I don't know. It just felt a little bit like what a shame that you know such an amazing TV show. Ignatious and I, you know, I did conclusion. feel that. I, I don't think the show itself was um, became tiresome, but I just felt the dynamic between those three was a bit like. I get it. You're like you're the kind of slow one. You're the fucking yeah. Guy. And th- and that's still all Caricatures. the way through. So have they confirmed that they're going Netflix? Is that th- no, 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 no. It's, it's just, just like word it's, of mouth. That's no, just... it's um, ITV is is really? what it looks like. Oh, yeah. Is it ITV? Well, yeah, I yeah, seen that, yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know if it's fully confirmed, but it looks like it's sort of ninety nine percent. They're doing a show for ITV. Surely ITV haven't got the kind of budget to well, do commercial that kind of stuff. Yeah, but still. I don't know, but yeah, I guess. What but you maybe, maybe I, but also maybe ITV might do a deal with Netflix. But also, or like, they ITV, I, I think, well, but the thing is, suddenly they can syndicate that around the world. Just, make, that, that's so where it's you like make chicken the egg thing. Like yeah. they'll make loads of money. Yeah. Like yeah. But you know, I, I, like I've said, I've been quite open. I love Chris Evans, so I'm looking forward to seeing it change and be. So is that like, comfort? I'm that, totally out of the yeah, top here. Loop. Yes. Anyone else? Uh, no, just Chris Evans. He's also confirmed that he's doing nine, we... new, se- nine new episodes of uh, TFI Friday. As well as his what radio year is this? show and the one show. <laughs> what, year, what year is this? Depressing. He only does one night on the one show. <laughs> yeah, Friday. Yeah. Good. Which, how's that's, he going to do that? That's why That's why the other guy left, wasn't it? Was it, was it Jason Manford did it? Did he? They're not, they, they've they not said, thought this through. So what night do you do um, the t- one show? Friday. Do you do... <laughs> <laughs> that is a bit weird, yeah. What day of the week do you work Friday? Surely, I'm sure really one's, anyway. one's probably pretty not, recorded. Not, not, <laughs> not our problem. Not our problem. But anyway, <laughs> equal parts sadness and, and, and uh, good, interesting television. Yeah. Toss. What, what's your biggest toss this week? <sighs> I, my biggest toss is Terminator <laughs> Genesis. I watched it this week with a, not, not high expectations, not low expectations, with an open mind. Didn't really like the trailers, didn't really think it needed a sequel. James Cameron filmed that video. I quite trust James Cameron. He was like, this is a great Terminator movie. 
Uh, I don't think it, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I, I enjoyed the first 20 minutes, but the rest of it, I just got increasingly um, annoyed with. Uh, big problems. There's big problems. The plot is way too convoluted. Way too convoluted. I didn't know what was going on for the last 45 minutes. But that even felt, I felt like elements of that watching the trailer, because the trailer yeah. was shown in front before a Jurassic World. And, and even that was like, whoa, this is like a three minute trailer and I'm and you're getting So much already. overlapping stuff. And the yeah. genius of the Terminator is the simplicity of the first movie. You know, it's 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 a it's a smart sci-fi concept, but one that you can understand quite easily. Yeah. The second one, they made it a bit more complicated, but not too complicated. You could still understand it. And it was more action focused. Three and four, whatever, we've all kind of you know, no one really rewatches really those. But this one, it's just such a mess of trying to be all things to all people that I, I genuinely didn't know what was happening at the end. And I'd stop, I stopped caring, so I stopped concentrating. So that's part of the reason I didn't know what was going on. But it was just like white noise to me. Um, the, and, and, and via that script, there's a lot of jokes in it, a lot of which fall flat. Like I was telling you, he's, Arnie's character's called Pops all the way through the film. They call him Pops. And it's like funny. It's like, no, and that's the, funny. And he's, he's still the original robot from T2 that's good, that becomes good. We're getting spoiler territory. Yeah. Okay. Why does he get older? Uh, is that explained? But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's out there as well. Is the fact that, that his the, the, they, the, they have the to make ex- up the a exterior reason. Yeah, is well. like flesh that right, does age, okay. whereas his interior doesn't. I mean, there's so many things though they make up for the sake of making the plot work. You know that you know when you get those sci-fi films where they just make up words and things, and then that's the reasoning, that's the logic, and you're like, no, you've just made that crap up. Like Metaclorians. So that you're yeah. So that your <laughs> plot work. No, it's that stuff. There's lots of things like that that yeah. are just like, nah, that's not a thing. Yeah. You're saying it's a thing so that your plot makes sense. And then the acting is not good. It's really, uh, I think some of it's badly cast and then some of it I just think they've been given bad things to do. But, but Amelia Clark is trying her best. I don't think she's a terrible actress, but man, she's not Sarah Connor. This is supposed to be basically the same Sarah Connor that's in T2. Right. And man, you don't think this is the same yeah, woman yeah. as such, you yeah. know, because she's, she's tough. She's been waiting for this day to, to change the world and like, it looks like and her 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 face and her her looks don't help because she does look like a teenager. Yeah, yeah. playing this. She's not like grizzled enough. No, like she hasn't been through the uh, that toughness just doesn't yeah. come through that Linda Hamilton has. And then um, Jason Clark, who's such a good actor, he just doesn't work as yeah. John Connor. It's because of the things he's given to do as John Connor. It's a thankless task. If you've yeah. seen the trailers, you know what his character kind of is, and it just that's so weird. Cause it Linda, doesn't work. Linda Hamilton's so good, and like, well, she was like robot in T two. Like, she's yeah. the ruthless killer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then bloody Jay Courtney. I'm not a fan of his anyway. That guy is a charisma vacuum, and <laughs> and so and he's kind of the lead in the movie, and it's he's just a waste of space. It's good really. that he's getting cast as of movies then. Oh, man. So yeah, Suicide Squad next. He's just he's just he's just getting cast in the lead in all these big because he was he was um supposed to be taking over Die Hard basically. Right. He was in the last Die Hard playing uh, McLean's son. Oh, okay. Just yeah, a waste yeah. of space that guy is. You just don't remember him as soon as he's say, on screen. I don't remember. Like, no. I've never seen it, but I don't remember him. Suicide Squad next for him. So yeah. Captain Boomerang. Yeah. So yeah, I, I found it to be a massive <laughs> disappointment. And then a lot of things they didn't bother explaining because they're just kind of leaving it till the next movie to tell you things and it's like no is it confirmed there's another one coming well the plan is for another trilogy but i wouldn't be surprised (laughs) if we don't yeah this is supposed to kick off another trilogy uh i wouldn't be surprised if we never see that second movie and so actually some really big questions this film asks will not get answered which is just 
it's downright disrespectful, I think, to the audience. I yeah. can't see it doing well because it's riding off the back of two pretty rubbish films in Three and Shunk, Salvation. Yeah. No one has... The, the hype around the trailers has been poor. Yeah. Um, it's where the people... There's still an interest in seeing Arnie do a Terminator movie and whether maybe... But I would have said that's our generation and I'm not and I don't think... No. It's gone, well, isn't it? It's been yeah, and gone. Yeah. I'd rather just watch T2 again. Yeah. Definitely. I haven't seen it for years and years. I'd rather just do that. Man, it works on every on every single level. It works better, including, I feel like some of the effects even. I was going to say, I mean, the effects so aren't bad in this, but but the T one thousand or used what looks discretion. like T one thousand, you know, the the kind of molten metal yeah. dude looks exactly the same as the guy from twenty years ago. I know he's doing similar things, yeah. apart from that thing where he the chucks spear. his arm. Yeah, what? Yeah, I bet there's nothing as good as the thumbs up as well. <laughs> there's a there's a thumbs up in there. Of course there uh, is, because where have they got that from? Every yeah, there's a so much of it was done in T two and done better. So anyway, that kind of that kind of peed me off. What's well, the negative? You know, you know the bit in T two when she says, "And this robot was more of a father than any of the." Oh, that always makes me choke up. <laughs> I mean, he's helping him load up all the guns. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, that wasn't something quite so good that happened to you, Chris. But something positive did happen. Yeah, something really good that you probably should have mentioned at the top of the show, but you didn't. So this will be a surprise to people. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we like um, so yeah about over a year ago I was a bit tipsy at a party and I saw David Cross the comedy actor from Arrested Development who plays Tobias uh, Alex knows him from the Alvin and the Chipmunk movies he's better known for that I would say uh, we, that does come up in our conversation uh, I've seen him do stand up actually that's where I've, I really like him um, and I was bit, I didn't really want to talk to him because he was talking to other people but my girlfriend just marched up and said my boyfriend wants to talk to you which was really embarrassing <laughs> oh and so God. I went over I would have been just ashamed it was, it was really embarrassing but luckily I'd had enough to drink that it wasn't that big a deal yeah. and we were chatting about his new <laughs> film which is called Hits which has just uh, hit Netflix and so I've stayed in touch with him and as he's shooting his new TV show in London at the moment I asked him if he'd like to come in so he came in uh, we chatted for over an hour and we'll put the full version on ne up next week but for now, we'll kind of cut out a few bits. Um, we're talking about his new film, Hits, which is in the middle. Uh, I don't think I mentioned the title in the middle because we talked about it earlier. So, uh, But also, we had a really good chat about Arrested Development, about uh, really interestingly, like talking about the problems with season four. Did you watch season four? No, but I know all about it. Quite hard to watch. So we had a chat about that, um, season five potentially happening and whether it could make a movie. But also, we talked about um, some work he did on Destiny that didn't actually make it into the game. So let's hear what he had to say. Yep. Um, and I was saying Netflix has been quite good to you because also that's the company that brought Arrested Development back. Mm -hmm. Was that something that was a surprise when that happened? Obviously, people had talked about it ever since it ended. But was it like a pleasant... When it became official, that was a surprise because people had been talking about it and the rumors had been out there. And I knew that Mitch was talking to Netflix. And I know Ted Sarandos from Netflix. We go way, way, way back before it was what it is now and when when it was just, excuse me, uh, distributing DVDs. I mean, I mean, way, way, way back. And, uh, and he's great. He's just such an awesome, down-to-earth, real guy. Um, and, and it's really satisfying to work for good people and, and decent, uh, de decent businesses, decent people, no bullshit, no ego, um, you know, a really pleasant experience. Which, which hopefully all of them should be. And of course they're not because you get people who have egos, who uh, don't care about, they care about money. They don't care about 
art. They're not fans of anything really, except for money. Um, so it's really nice to be able to work with people like that, you know. And was it nice getting back into Tobias's head? Uh, it was. It was uh, a little frustrating that I didn't have the opportunity to interact with a lot of the other folks in the way that I used to, where we where it was more traditional uh, show, and to you know Tobias, like a lot of people, would weave in and out, um, and my story in that that season four really uh, like I had I think one one day I you know I spent like uh, I had one quick scene with Will I had no scenes with Michael uh, one quick scene with Tony a couple quick ones with Alia and uh, none with Jeffrey I mean outside of the there were like two family scenes the um, which we shot and that was really fun and, and exciting but a lot of the stuff I did was outside of that, so that was a little, um, that was a little disappointing. Mm. But, uh, uh, but that's the only, literally the only negative thing I could say. I mean, it mm. was uh, the structure was unusual for that for that series, wasn't it? Yeah, but it made sense because of uh, one, the Netflix model, and and um, and two, the availability of sure. people. It was really, it you know, when you're doing a a series, you're Contracts, you know, mm. that's that's what everybody's focused on, and Arrested became second or third position for a lot of people. I mean, Jason's making movies now. Mm. Michael's huge, and you know, various people uh, getting everybody together was uh, was exceedingly difficult. And uh, and half of the, not half, but a third of the actors don't live in L.A. Live far away. Right. You know, Tony was doing Veep in Baltimore. Uh, myself, Jessica, and Jeffrey live in New York. I think Michael Sarah was starting to base himself out of New York. I mean, there were a lot of people. It was it was really scattered and yeah. pretty crazy, and uh, so that was quite difficult. And that that uh, dictated in part why it was the way it was. You know, why why do you think Tobias is such a popular character? Um, I mean, it, it, what Mitch writes and Mitch and Jim and the writers, uh, it's really clever he's just this side of of really stupid you know uh and he's uh uh you take any of the the uh the bluths or the funkes out of that situation and put them in an, any other situation and they look they're absurd they're yeah. they're ridiculous they they can only function in and amongst each other, you know, except for Michael Bluth, basically. Uh, but, um, you know, he's... He, he, they just get to come up with these really clever... Uh, because he's so stupid and deluded. Um, uh, and kind of pompous, too. Uh, and uh, you get to put things in his mouth... So to speak, that's actually something Tobias might say. Um, that uh, these things get to come out of his mouth that wouldn't work and would be arch and ridiculous, uh, but they actually make sense in that uh, um, in that context, in that scenario. Uh, yeah, I mean, people. I think if if it was, um, 
you know, the Tobias Funke show, it would get uh, old really quick by episode three, be sure. over it and not interested. But as a sprinkling to come in and still the same, in, 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 <laughs> in, inject this uh, this absurd thing, yeah. this already absurd world, it's uh, it works really great like that. And they've announced more for next year. Is that something you're? <laughs> No, I well, don't know. Well, Brian Grazer, I think, said the other day that they were going to do it. I, but <laughs> okay, I mean, yeah, sure. It, uh, uh, people said that for years. About it took years, and I and I said, I'm, I'm, I'll believe it when I'm on set. Yeah, and I've got that mustache on and uh, and some ridiculous outfit. Somebody says action, but until then. But you, I would love to do it, of course. Do you think they're characters, though, that could be revisited every few years, sort of infinitely? Like I, Absolutely. Yeah. With that writing, the writing is so strong, you know. Um, and, you know, I think, I think the season four got, uh, got kind of a short shrift in, in that it was, there was so much pressure, and it was a completely different construct. And... I think people had a difficult time getting past that, and it took me until um, like the middle of Job's episode, which is kind of the middle of the um, right around the middle of the the what are there fifteen episodes something like that to really figure out how to watch it mm. and get comfortable with it, and because I I saw it and all the other actors saw it the same way everybody else did. We <laughs> only saw the premiere at the premiere the the first two episodes at the actual premiere and then we all went home and watched it because we didn't have you know uh, uh, we weren't with other people's scenes and it didn't stuff out of context it didn't mean a whole lot so it unfolded for us the way it unfolded for anybody else and uh, um, you know it was it was uh, they they did so much work in making sense of it and threading these and weaving these stories together and those moments that the first three seasons had of, uh, oh, wait, in seri- season two, episode five, he says this thing and he's wearing that thing. So then you see it later. Like, there was so much of that layered into this that I pe- think people missed it because they they weren't comfortable with it being different and new and it was and they didn't like it and they it clouded their ability to enjoy it um and i say that with a little bit of of experience because it as i said it took me a little while to figure out how to watch it and then once i did i i thought okay i need to go back and watch this again because there's stuff i'm not getting and there's there's i i know i know how to watch it now i know what to look for um i know what to flag up and um and I think people didn't get uh, that far into the thought process of it. And it just was, you know, disappointing for some people. Not everybody. Uh, there are some people who loved it and appreciated it. And uh, and it grew on them. And I I definitely think with time, it, it, people will come to appreciate it for what it was. Having said that, I, like a lot of people, missed the elements of, you know, what the first three seasons were like. Um, uh, but, you know, I like both things. And do you think there'll ever be potential for a movie, or do you think its home is on TV? I, you know, it's... If, if anything, if any of these projects, like Entourage or whatever, that, that, get, that are TV shows that get turned into a movie, uh, uh, Veronica Mars, whatever, if anything 
can. I I have a hundred percent confidence in Mitch and Jim and those guys to pull it off. I mean, they're they're nothing short of genius, and I believe that they, if anybody can do it, they can do it. You know, an entourage movie to me is a head scratcher. Um, uh, Veronica Mars movie is a head scratcher, uh, and Arrested Development is a is kind of a head scratcher too, but. If anybody can do it, if anybody can say, here's this experience that's better than watching it at home, you need to go to a theater and watch this, I believe it's them. And they'll, they'll figure out a way to make that, uh, to justify it being a movie. Tobias the action hero? No. Okay. <laughs> can't, can't imagine. Um, so you've directed now, obviously you've acted, you've written, what, you do stand-up. Is there, any, is there one that you prefer of the four? Or do you just like to keep catering? It? I like uh, <laughs> uh, craft services. I like uh, filling up that peanut bowl. Um, I um, I've been asked this before, and, and it, I'd say um, at the you know when you when you look back at your work, uh, writing is the thing I'm most satisfied with. The, the thing that gives me the greatest satisfaction in that I did this. There was nothing there. There was a blank page. And I know how difficult it is to write, you know, things that are not just merely let's throw every joke on the wall and see what sticks kind of scenario, but actually write a story, make sense, have have the dialogue seem real, have um, characters who are don't sound similar to other characters, and and uh, I know how hard it is, and uh, and to this idea that there was no idea there, and then you came up with this whole thing. Um, I think that's the that's the thing that gives gives me the most satisfaction that I've the most respect for in other people. Um, the part that I enjoy the most is editing. Um, I, that's that's the most uh, intellectually the most fun to because to, uh, there are always problems. You miss uh, uh, every single project. There's you know hundreds of different reasons why you didn't get this shot or this this thing didn't happen or you you you're in the edit and you realize oh we nobody realized this guy's not supposed to be there yet we can't have him there whatever the thing is and you have to figure out a big problem I, there's not one project i've ever done that didn't have that um and then finding that stuff in the edit and finding those solutions is always such a great moment and you know in the edit you can completely redo your movie this was much funnier uh initially it was a, the, the script was funnier i um our first few cuts the 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 hipsters from uh from brooklyn it was a it was funnier by half it had more uh, uh lots lots more laughs in it and i screened it you know we had a couple screenings for friends and people in the in the industry that i could show it to who knew how to watch a screening you know it's uh it's not it's temp track it's not scored the sound's all wrong it's not colored you know whatever um and the biggest overall note i got from comics from comic uh writers and and filmmakers uh, and they agreed and it was it was shocking but they were right and it was hard to take but they were right was you know this thing is too funny you've got this other really cool story that you're burying in the comedy and the tone is seems off and so 
the editor and I went back and we took a lot of the comedy out. We we made a bigger balance between Caitlin's story and uh, and I'm really happy with where it is. And I think it it's somewhat suffered in that in that people approach it thinking, oh, it's going to be this comedy, this laugh out loud crazy thing. Yeah. Oh, David Cross, the guy who's on this thing and did that. And it wasn't, you know, and you don't want to open up a, you know, want to tell people like, it's not, it's not that funny, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I found myself doing just that, um, uh, you know, because the, the, a lot of the criticism of it was it wasn't that funny, but it's not supposed to be that funny. I mean, the funny stuff is supposed to be funny, but I mean, we went out and took out quite a bit. There are whole scenes that I've, I mean, I fought for, I fought against myself. My my gut knew that they had to go, but I was just trying to cram them in there, these these scenes at the diner that, because um, the diner was, uh, the diner scenes were used to uh, show the passage of time. Um, so when we lost those other scenes, we had to figure out a new way to show what day it was, how long they were in there. That's why there's a, there's a, a couple, there's two, in particular, like terrible things that I hate, where it's like a shot of an exterior of a motel, and we had to have actors ADR dialogue over the motel shot, <laughs> and it's just for exposition yeah. to get you. It's because we took this other stuff out that was there that served uh, a purpose beyond just being funny, and they're really funny scenes. But I had to get rid of them um, just because it made the movie as a whole feel different, you know. And uh, there was this whole thread of. Um, uh, this story that had a that had a payoff only in this thing that we wrote and we shot and fully intended to do after the credits, like kind of a where are they now? But because the movie kind of shifted in editing, we had to take all that stuff out because it made it too silly. Mm. And so you lose kind of a, a payoff to a thing where Donovan and Maddie can't have a kid and you don't know why. And the reason was going to be because, you know, you're sitting there going, well, wait, is he gay? He's gay, right? What's going on here? And uh, um, But the payoff was that they refused to have a child until same-sex marriage was uh, legally, you know, uh, um, recognized in the United States. That's the reason why they couldn't have a kid, which is something that Charlize Theron said, which I was like, what? That is, or she wouldn't, she wouldn't get married, sorry. She wouldn't get married until... Same-sex marriage was legally, federally recognized. Yeah. Like, that's wow, a good that excuse. is uh, that's a good excuse to use. That's a clever. <laughs> that'll that'll keep you going for a while. Uh, have you got any plans to direct a movie anytime soon? Um, I have two scripts that I'm uh, working on. One is much further along, and the other is uh, uh, not as far along. And they would both be. Uh, for me to direct, it's e- it's it's easy to direct something I wrote because it's all up here and I know what I want and you know know what I need to get it and what is and isn't a waste of time you know, um, and uh, you know who knows when I'll get to that. I have um, when I'm done with Todd Margaret, which will be late August. Um, I will either I have another pending project. Um, uh, for a TV show shot here or in Bristol actually and um, 
And if that doesn't go, then I'll finish the movie script, but also I'll work on a stand-up tour, which I just, I've been so busy, I haven't been able to really concentrate on, and uh, I'm not good at doing, at multitasking, mm. and it's, uh, I need to focus, and then, so I would just focus on that, get that tour together, um, make it different than the last couple tours, and make it tighter, no more f***ing two and a half hour shows, self-indulgent, bullshit like that, just tight, you know, uh, show, go out, do that, and, you know, that. Does this mean you don't have any time to play video games? Yeah, <laughs> um, I do play video games. It's uh, it's my uh, probably the greatest guilty pleasure I have. Uh, um, I try to justify it, like it's I'm working on my hand-eye coordination, mom. <laughs> um, but uh, but I also don't finish that many anymore. I used to really not not that I was a completist and had to do every side mission and pick up every flag and coin and whatever but uh, I found myself less and less uh, giving the game less and less time um, and I guess it's just part of being older and you know playing games since I was a kid but I know what I like and if I'm halfway into Call of Duty and it's I don't care then I just sort of put it aside and uh, um and just move on, you know. And you voiced them a couple of games. I know 2004 was a big year for you, from what I could see, Halo 2 and GTA. Yep. Uh, um, <laughs> is that is that something you didn't take to, or it was just, you know, you had other things uh, going uh, on? Grand Theft Auto, I accosted a guy at some party <laughs> uh, in... Um, like me with you. Yeah, it was in... Uh, I was at some, like, some New York, you know, was at, I was at, like, Lit or some place like that, or... Some like kind of downtown hipster bar. I was pretty up, and um, and somebody said, "Oh, that's uh, I think it was Sam. Sam from uh, Rockstar." And I was a huge Grand Theft Auto uh, fan, and uh, and I was like, oh, "I love that." You know, next time you're doing one, let me know. I'll do a voice. I'll do it for free. I just love that game. Blah blah blah. Um, just drunkenly and then we, we set it up like whatever months later it's like yeah I'm actually in the middle of doing because I think I knew they were doing San Andreas and had heard about it and read yeah. about it I was like please I'd love to be a part um, but I couldn't even get through my missions on playing the game and and, it, and the characters meant to be annoying and kind of nasal and giving you shit and uh, so it was really difficult I just skipped my missions I couldn't uh, I couldn't listen to myself anymore um, that's terrible and I did get through it uh and then Halo, Halo was fun. And I did some other stuff too. Oh, I did um, uh, 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 Brutal Legend. Um, uh, huge Tim Schafer fan. Mm. Um, I, I thought Psychonauts is you know one of the most underrated games uh, criminally. It's just a really smart, beautiful, cool game. Um, and um, so I met Tim. I was in, I was in a. I think I was really hungover and uh, but came in and did stuff for Brutal Legend as well and um, I think that's it yeah. and uh, recently have you been involved with any game in any way shape or form maybe you and another comedian I'm thinking of yes you're referring to the uh, the pre-interview we had in the hallway <laughs> as we were walking in um, Brian Posehn uh, and I uh, got asked and jumped at the chance of uh, we were flown up to um, Bellevue, Washington, uh, to do 
uh, punch up on the ghost character in uh, Destiny uh, about a year ago, and we were both very excited about it. Um, they did not use a single solitary thing we wrote, which is a shame because we wrote some stuff that you know we're gamers and and they. I would imagine somebody somewhere said we can't inject this levity or humor into it, but it's a shame because I I played Destiny quite a bit. I haven't played since I've been over here working on Bob and David, but um, you know when it came out, I was I was way into it, very excited about it, and uh, you know after your when you're in hour twenty of that thing, it's like the ghost is kind of monotone saying this thing. We need, must get over the ridge. You know, those are the, that's the cabal. We got to defeat them. Whatever. It's boring as shit. And, um, and, you know, I, I speak for myself and Brian, and I know thousands, if not millions of other gamers would be like, yeah, it'd be nice to have a joke or something in there. What do you think the tone? We're going to fuck with the tone, you know? Uh, um, but it was uh, very exciting to go up there and get paid to play a video game you know, a year before it came out or whatever it was. So that was fun. Can you give us a flavor of anything, any of that ghost stuff that you were writing, like the approach you were taking? Oh, I mean, it was, some of it was sort of self-referential. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it was just stuff that was making us laugh. We were in a room and we'd, we'd play a lot. And, uh, um, and then, again, some of it was kind of winking to gamers. Uh, uh I, I, I truly don't remember any no. of them. They were just sort of riffy one-liners that both Brian and I were coming up with. Missed opportunity. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of them, not just... I mean, we were there for, for a couple of days, so we, you know, offered a bunch of stuff up. Um, I mean, you know, sh- you know, you find the the crate that you got open, like, do something with that, you know? But it was just like, there's a crate, open it, you know, or whatever <laughs> they ended up using, but... So that was David Cross, but he doesn't talk about chipmunks, so quite frankly, I couldn't give a hoot. David Cross, cross about his lack of uh, appearance in Destiny. <laughs> yes, As you would be. I see what, see what I've done there. As you would be. <laughs> right, let's shift over to uh, reader feedback. Who's up first? Kyle Chester Marsden, who's written and said, Hey guys, I just wanted to get your thoughts on what I think is a terrible idea. Ooh. So this would potentially be in the toss section okay. of our stuff. Uh, a big cinema complex near me is claiming to be the first in the UK to offer th- 4D films. Right. I even said it wrong there. Uh, such effects included in the experience are the film in 3D, smells, wind, water, <laughs> air, bubbles and varying temperatures. <laughs> now, for me, these things work best in the right environments. And by that, I mean offering it to a 10 minute short at a theme park or something similar. Uh, Mad Max had the same offering at somewhere near uh, £18 for a ticket. Is it just me who finds it way too gimmicky and would ruin rather than enhance the experience? So, okay. <laughs> like the way it smells. Go, go through Ooh. the different editions. So, the film in 3D. Well, yeah, well, that's. I understand that. <laughs> smells. Smells. We kick off with smells. So, how does that like work? Petrol. Because the, like, like, this oh. is not done in conjunction with <clears throat> the filmmakers. Presumably, no. This I is would a imagine local not. cinema interpreting it itself. It's been done before, though, uh, and this was in conjunction with the director. But when John Waters released some of his indie movies in the eighties, uh, he gave out scratch and sniff cards. Okay. So when like there's a dog poo in it, uh, yeah. I don't. Want I once that. did that for like, a children in need. I bought that at a petrol station, a little scratch and sniff card. 
They all smell the same by the end. I was doing scratch and sniff EastEnders. Oh, God. But would it not be quite funny for a horror film or something like that? To smell what? A dead body. Blood. Maybe Why? not that. I don't Why know. Why would you want to smell that? <laughs> but I guess it's what like, else? I guess in the scene in front of you, there's like a little atomizer or something that just sprays a scent. I bet you it's not that sophisticated. No, no, there are sophisticated versions of okay. this. That I know mm. you're imagining like some dude just running around with a little... <laughs> no, I was thinking it's more cinema-wide <laughs> that they're pumping it in through the ah, aircon. Okay. Wind. Rob Knight individual. Wind. Well, is that, that's just somebody with a hairdryer blowing in your face. <laughs> the the version on. you're imagining is really annoying. And then like Mad Max, they've got like sand that they're Petrol. lowering so face. I imagine this would be like we've all seen the new Mission Impossible trailer when he's on the side of yeah. the plane you'll have air like blowing yeah. into your face but when he's on the side of the plane but your eyes start watering you can't see it properly like, and the air will thin you're having the experience that, but that that's, Tom Cruise would be having in the film what a load of horse crackers water what are you thinking there? like <laughs> sprays of water if it's raining yeah <laughs> or it's if, you're, if you're watching the Poseidon adventure like, like, yeah. massive buckets of it yeah drowning <laughs> slowly filling up Air. I'm not how sure how air is different to wind. <laughs> you can breathe. That's the same. Uh, bubbles. <laughs> like how many films have got bubbles in? Uh, again, we're back to Poseidon Adventure, aren't we? Well, but I wouldn't say Finding there's, Nemo. There's bubbles, per se. <laughs> and varying temperatures. <laughs> okay, that's just, that's, that's just feels oh. like our office. And people so, were going uh, when I first saw Pirates of the Caribbean at the cinema in Manchester in the Arndales in there. Before we went into Pirates of the Caribbean, said, oh, just so you know, it was in July, August. Yeah. They said, um, oh, so, the, just so you know, the air conditioning's broken. Okay. I remember when I see the films, we remember when that was fine, and they mm. took some money off our tickets. It was sweltering. <sighs> did it add to it? Not to my enjoyment, but it did feel more authentic. Yeah. Did you it was sweating like, yeah. <laughs> like little cartoons. But like yeah. Bill and Ted's bogus journey, I'm trying to think of one here. When they go into <laughs> hell, it's suddenly the temperature goes up. Day after right, tomorrow, okay. it's freezing for Fair the whole enough. Thing. Ideas around these. Would you pay to go and see that additional experience? Once. I would not pay. No. <laughs> if I was invited for free, I would check it out. And if I enjoyed it, I would recommend it and maybe pay the next time. But for me, it sounds ridiculous. It's I feel like all the films we're saying, though, are like disaster movies. Like, okay. I think you'd work well with like a, a film that feels like a ride. So I think they did this re- recently in America, like a sophisticated version of this for San Andreas, mm, where right. things are moving. Yeah, and I feel like that. Yeah, like you get behind. Okay. But yeah, I, I feel, like that, watch. That, that, I, feel yeah. I agree with that kind of. I know I've read about this before. It's more like D-box. a roller coaster. So, yeah. yeah, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. I think there yeah. are effects like air pressure and stuff like that, jets of air. So where it's like the film, but it would like kind of add we, to that. We are we are becoming. Uh, a society, I think, that's it, that's increasingly going to experiential cinema, though. Like, secret cinema, each one's making more and more yeah. money. Mm. Now, fair enough, they aren't... It's not this kind of thing happening during the movie. It's before and after. But I, re- I do think that we might, you know, in, the, in, in film studios' attempts to get people out of their homes yeah. and away from their big tellies and into cinemas, if I wonder... And I always think, like I just said, horror might be one where you could do something quite interesting mm. in a cinema to scare people yeah. that's not just based on what's on the screen. Yeah. Well, one of my favourite ever cinema-going experiences, and this is, in retrospect, this is a lame version of what you get people paying on mass for. It's just yeah. a little bit extra. I saw one of the first cinema trips I went to as a teenager with a bunch of my friends on a Saturday afternoon was um, the Brendan Fraser Mummy. Yeah. And midway through, 
And one of the uh, cinema attendants, dressed as a mummy, ran through the audience. Awesome. But it was great because it reminded me of when I watched Stephen King's It, and they all went to the cinema as like kids in the 1950s watching mm. um, I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Right. And stuff like that happened. Yeah, yeah. William and Castle it, was the yeah, guy that did them, yeah. yeah, and like kind of, um, yeah. yeah, with... Um, skeletons flying through the audience and stuff yeah, like that and the yeah. shocker and the, like it's weird stunt like thing where it doesn't kind of adds to the the event of going out with your mates and having a laugh and yeah, yeah I but, like stuff like that because I, I saw Jurassic World I don't know two weeks ago on the IMAX screen at um, Leicester Square and I thought that was just outstanding in terms of yeah. that felt like Quality. a different experience from just watching like on the, your local cinema yeah. where the screen is obviously it's big but sure. the, it's, it's not different but because they showed the trailer for the remake of Man on Wire whatever it's called yeah like, the walk yeah but like I was properly there going like oh my god yeah. like feeling vertigo. that, awful, that yeah, vertigo yeah. and it was horrendous mm. and that you know I don't think you need gimmicky stuff like that to be effective sure uh, I think you know that to me was Cinema just like so, yeah. that was completely absorbing. Is watching that on the massive screen. Yeah. Well, Kyle, good email. Yeah. That got us all thinking and talking. That's what um, we like. I got an email from David Bin- Binmore who says, "Duck Hunt." Was wondering. <laughs> he says it like that. Uh, was wondering who you thought had the best press conference out of the big three. Uh, he's talking about E3. Uh, I felt Xbox One made more of an effort to justify owning their system at this time, dedicating most of the conference to. Owning their system at this time, dedicating most of the con- Anyway, he thought Xbox was the winner. I thought Sony had the biggest fan-pleasing conference. Mm. I'm not necessarily saying it was the best, but it ticked a lot of boxes if you were not just a PlayStation fan, but a gamer, like having Shenmue in there and obviously Final Fantasy and obviously Last Guardian. Um, that stuff appealed to me mm. more than uh, the Xbox lineup. What about you? You were there. I thought Microsoft did it. Like, it seems weird to call Microsoft an underdog because they're Microsoft, one of the biggest companies of all time. But ever since the Xbox One announcement, they've always been playing catch up to Sony because Sony were the competitor brand and they yep. could counter message and be cooler and more daring. But I thought like Microsoft like just ticked every box. Like they announced really kind of fan pleasing things like backwards compatibility and early access and like PC friendly stuff which is yep. cool that console gamers never had and then at the same time they would go Gears of War but then segue to like oh we've got like this ReCore game and like yeah. more interesting stuff yeah. I think they were just really diverse and like ticked a broad set of categories yeah but there was nothing in there that I was like that's the one game that I want to play yeah. for me anyway and then obviously there was Nintendo which just a bit of a disappointing show it wasn't bad but when they've got so much exciting stuff coming they're becoming out, a different com- they're coming they're still coming out of the cocoon i think yeah and going to come out as a very different company on the well, other I, side i think you know for them you know maybe e3 is becoming less and less relevant because they've already got a brilliant platform to talk directly to all of their fans through nintendo direct so mm. uh, so my email is from sam williams and kind of follows on from Microsoft. Um, PlayStation Plus has always arguably had better free game offerings to consumers over Xbox's Games for Gold. But with Xbox announcing backwards compatibility for Xbox One, do you think Xbox will offer great Xbox 360 games to Xbox One owners to try and convince them that Games for Gold is the better deal? So just to catch you up if you're not aware, backwards compatibility if you already own that game and it's they've said it's backwards compatible, you can just download it. When you put in the 360 disc, what you actually do is trigger a download from the store. 
you're not necessarily playing it off Is the disc. I think so, yeah. Okay. And also there's a very s select number of games. Like yeah. I looked at it the other day, yeah. it's a very small amount yeah. of games. So what he's saying, I think Sam, if I'm not paraphrasing, is through Games for the Gold, they might start offering really great um, 360 games yeah. that are also backwards compatible. Yeah, because obviously a lot of the stuff that you get on uh, PS Plus is either Vita or PS3. Yeah. Um, and if you've only got PS4. You get like a, an indie game a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least. In theory, yes. Um, I just think yeah, up until now, the Games for Gold package hasn't just been comparable, I would yeah. say. I think it'd be great if every month they dumped like 20 new um, backwards compatible games yeah. and they like said three of them are going to be part of the Games for Gold. Yeah. Because until like three years' time when there's loads of great Xbox One games, that's a really cool way to like beef up your collection. Well, that's it. Like, imagine if you got like, I don't know, Red <coughs> Dead or something like yeah. that. It'd be brilliant. Yeah, because yeah, you've never played it, for instance. You might yeah. be like, oh, yeah. there you go. Get on and that. that's it. Like, all of my old uh, gen consoles are all packed away. So, yeah, maybe Sam, as the Joker says, it's all part of the plan. Uh, last email from James Isles. Uh, on last week's pod, a listener wrote in asking about audiobooks, so I thought I'd share some recommendations. Uh, he says, Paddle Your Own Canoe by Nick Offerman. Uh, Ready Player He's one. funny. Is he? Yeah, he's the guy. Have you watched Parks and Rec? Mm. I haven't, no. Uh, good. Uh, Ready Player One, <laughs> Ernest Klein. I read it. Uh, it's a fantastic book. Plugged it a lot on this show. Uh, and hopefully Spielberg will be doing the movie. Ah. It's one of the reasons he was at E3, apparently. I saw him walking around the show floor at E3. Oh, wow. And I think the rumor was he went to see No Man's Sky. And yeah. one of the reasons why, because he's doing Ready Player One, similar sort of concepts, yeah. procedural generation, and so on. Yeah. Awesome. He was surrounded by people. And all these nerds were... And I'm one of them. I'm, not, I'm classing yeah. myself as a nerd. God. People were going, Stephen! And no way they're ever going to get to him. Like, <laughs> Kanye was there as well. Yep. Apparently, oh, yeah. Apparently, like if he, when he's playing Street Fighter Five, he had a team of people that erected like white sheets around him, so you can take <laughs> yeah, pictures yeah. of him playing the game. Brilliant. We did. We've heard a couple of stories about Kanye, but unfortunately, we can't talk about them on the podcast. Can you tell me afterwards? Yes. I can tell you afterwards. And then, if you ever meet us down the pub and get us drunk, then I'll tell you there as well. <laughs> we can uh, be found in the Crown and Two Chairman <laughs> every most, week, most Fridays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, also recommends World War Z by Max Brooks. Completely different from oh. the film. Uh, obviously, the book is completely yeah, different. Yeah, very. Um, if you go to iGen.com, you can find a video of Max Brooks telling me and Chris how to zombie-proof our old office, which is good, useful information, but not for us anymore since we moved office. And this is a good article that uh, Chris did write about Ready Player One. About what a great book it is. Written by who, not, sorry? Chris Dilley. Chris Dilley, he's, he's good. He's good. Movie editor. Is that Star of Independence Day Resurgence. T-I-L-L-E-Y. Yeah, that's not funny. <laughs> Last but not least, uh, Batman Nightfall. Uh, it's a BBC Radio production of the Nightfall story arc, which I never knew existed in the audio book form. Me neither. Good, um, good effort, James. James. But, but it was a strong influence for the Nolan brothers when they wrote Dark Knight Rises. It's a really good uh, trilogy of books, Nightfall. Very, very good. I'll give that a listen. Anybody who likes Batman should definitely read that. I've got it in my drawer if you want to read it. Yes, I'd love to. Is it to. eaten by the mice? Maybe. I haven't changed you, it in a while. Because you put a bag of doors. No, in. I never did that. Oh, wow. Now it's <laughs> now it's on record. <laughs> okay. Um, We've got a mouse problem. Is that, is that it yeah. for this week? That's it. Yeah. Can I do a little plug? Uh, there's a film out this week. Of, Terminator's out this week. Amy's out this week, which is really good. But there's a little horror film called Housebound, which I absolutely adored. My favourite horror film in the last couple of years, probably. Uh, it won't be on at many cinemas, but if you get the chance to see it, really do. It's a bit kind of Sam Raimi, Evil Dead-ish. It's kind of funny, but really touching, and it's really good. All right. 
So that's it for this week's podcast. Thank you as ever for listening, and uh, we'll be back same time next week. Bye-bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.